Amen. We're looking at John chapter 11 today. John chapter 11 will be in the New Testament. A lot of stops we'll make in John. Light in Scripture, as you know, is equated with several things. It's equated with the gospel, with revelation, with understanding. Uh, can you hear me okay? Anybody who can't hear me besides Miss Sherry doesn't always hear me well, but she's got struggles. Some of you others, everybody okay? All right. When people look at me like, I think that was my grandfather's look when he couldn't hear what I was saying. I remember going to my grandfather and saying, I like your red sweater. And he loved the, the Muskegon Big Reds. He'd say, yeah, the Big Reds had a good year this year. And I thought, what in the world? Uh, but uh, great, great man. Couldn't hear very well. But light, we're back to light. It's equated with righteousness. It's equated with the word. And of course, what does Jesus say? I am the light of the world. He said it at the time of Hanukkah. Now, what is Hanukkah, Pastor? That's an eight-day celebration remembering 164 B.C., before Christ came. Antiochus Epiphanes had defiled the temple, and the, the Jews revolted and, and got him out of there, and they rededicated the temple, and they celebrate the fact that for eight days the oil never ran out in the menorah, the seven-lighted uh, lamp in the temple, and that's that memory of it. So Jesus said when he was here at that time, Hanukkah, I am the light of the world. And so light's equated with everything, including the Lord Jesus Christ. Uh, there's a, a disorder called SAD, Seasonal Affective Disorder. And this is going to surprise you, but way more people commit suicide during dark, gray, dreary days when there's no sunlight. And it's a fact and we, we understand that evidently the sun is encouraging. Certainly Jesus Christ, the S-U-N, is, or the S-O-N is encouraging. And the, I guess the sun actually encourages people somehow. But um, you think of the fact that uh, man without God, without the Lord and the light of the word and the light of the gospel and the light of the Lord Jesus Christ is without hope and without direction. We don't have it. So John the Elder's writing, he, of course, was a fisherman, one of three fishermen at the inner circle, Peter, James, and John, who went with Jesus to the Mount of Transfiguration and to the lowest points in his ministry. They were there. And he's one of the three. He's the elder. He writes this 90 years after Jesus dies. Obviously, the Lord had a great impact on his life. And he writes this unique gospel, 92% unique. You won't find 92% of it in the other gospels. It's not one of the Gospels we see together as synoptic Gospels. It's unique. And he writes this. He also writes the great book of Revelation. But his key word over 100 times is the word faith or believe. And so today we're talking about the importance of belief and the importance of faith in the light, the Lord Jesus Christ. Let's stand and read this. John chapter 11 and verse 10. Of course, Hanukkah, as you know, is December 18 to December 26. And it points to Jesus Christ as the Jews have not quite yet accepted, but they will one day. John chapter 11 and verse 10 says this. Now this is in the context of Lazarus, so I'm reading this and we're going to go elsewhere, but we understand that great story. He said, but if man walk in the night, he stumbleth because there is no light in him. 
But if a man walk in the night, he stumbleth because there is no light in him. And listen to Job chapter 24. You don't need to turn there. Listen. It says in Job 24, 13, They are those that rebel against the light. They know not the ways thereof, nor abide in the paths thereof. God bless us as we look into your book for a walk in this dark world. And thank you for the light which signs from our heart, the Shekinah glory, the menorah you've placed in all of us who are saved. And help us to be the light of the world. Bless now. Bless as I preach that it'll be clear, it'll be easy to understand if there's anyone here who's not saved, that they'll hear the gospel and understand. In Jesus' name, amen. Thank you. You may be seated. Thinking of what Joe has just said and what John has said, that people don't know uh, the pathways when they don't have the light. Think of the lack of direction in our world. Think of our country and the lack of direction. Think of what's going on in our world. You know, in the 60s, we, the Supreme Court, liberal Supreme Court at that time, voted to get prayer and Bible reading out of the public schools. But when Columbine or these other disasters happened, as happened last week, they say, where is God in all of this? Is, you know, why, where, well, we kicked God out 60 years ago. Now we want to know where he is. And we think of the lack of direction in the, of the morals of our country. You know, I, I was reading yesterday, uh, uh, Pennsylvania, University of Pennsylvania, Penn Swimmer. He used to be on the men's team. And he had this, you know, change now. And he's now supposedly a woman. Well, I have news for you, he's not a woman. He's still a man. And God determined that when he was conceived. And so he, he wins and he shattered records. He, he, the second closest person was 38 seconds behind. That's more than a lap. It's crazy. There's no direction because they don't know God. They don't have light. So there's no direction. And we think of all the word, the use of the words light in our, the word light in our Bible. Samuel said not to quench the light of Israel. Job said the people are without light. Solomon said light is sweet. Matthew said that Moses and Elijah saw the light and their faces did shine. Luke said that we are the sons of light. Saul, prior to his conversion, saw a light in his way from heaven. Then later, Paul said he referred to a light which no man can approach. And Paul went on to say, now we are the children of light. David said, the Lord is the light of my salvation. He also said, the Lord is a lamp unto my feet and a light unto my path. Without the Lord Jesus Christ, we have no direction. We have no salvation. We have nothing. We're in darkness. Figuratively, the world is in darkness. And we are, of course, the light. I think of the light of the sun, 93 million miles away. It takes a sun ray eight minutes and three seconds to get to Earth, traveling at a speed of 186,000 miles per second. That sun is amazing. It'll take 225 million years for it to revolve through the center of the Milky Way. It takes a month to spin one time. The temperature is so hot, 27 million degrees, and the gravitational pull is so strong that lifting 100 pounds on heaven would be equivalent to lifting 2,800 pounds. Such a strong gravitational pull. Uh, the sun controls the orbit of planets. 
The Egyptians worshipped it as a god, thus the plague of darkness God sent certainly humiliated their so-called god. Uh, we know that plants need sunlight. Navigators need sunlight, the sextant. And we know uh, surveyors need sunlight. They all need the sun. It's so important in our world. It's used to tell time. You could study Stonehenge if you want to. It's 109 times bigger than the earth, the diameter. 109 times. And listen to this. Yet in spite of these incredible facts, it's one star amongst Millions of stars that size. It's an average-sized star. And in one of billions in this galaxy, one of millions of galaxies. The sun, S-U-N, is nothing compared to the sun, S-O-N. What is man that thou art mindful of him? <laughs> Who are we to think we can challenge the Almighty God? We are blessed to, to just be able to breathe the air that God has created and we're just blessed to live here in this world. And I thank God for the fact that he is several things. First of all, he's the source of light. He's the source of light. We know in Genesis chapter 1, it, it, he said, and God said, let there be light. And guess what? And there was light. He spoke it into existence. Now to John chapter 1 with me. John chapter 1. And we see in John chapter 1, the Lord Jesus Christ. And you say, well, it says, in the beginning was the Word, and the Word was God, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God. What does that mean? How is that Jesus? Well, if you look down to 14, it says the Word, the word became flesh and dwelt among us. So we find the Trinity in creation. God, Elohim, plural, said, let there be light. That's the plural. That's the Trinity. And then it said, Let's, let us make man in our image. And then the Spirit of God moved upon the face of the waters. We see the Trinity from Genesis 1 to Revelation. So in John 1, we see the Lord Jesus, and we see God because they are one and the same. And we find here, verse 3, All things were made by Him, and without Him was not anything made. That word made is a Greek word. You don't need to know the Greek word, but it's a word that means made from nothing. He spoke, it happened. The only time he used something to, to make something was when he took a rib from Adam and made Eve. Amen? The rest of the time he spoke everything in existence from nothing. You've heard the old joke, yeah, this guy says, well, I can make anything too. Give me some sand and some and mortar and I'll make bricks. And then a voice from heaven said, get your own sand. Get your own sand, you know? Because God made it all. He's spoken into existence. Jesus Christ is also the creator with his Father of the universe. And so it was, and then it says in verse 2, In him was life, and the life was the light of men. And there are several words translated life in your Bible, and you know these words. Bios, we get our word biology from. That's life. Zoology comes, it's part of biology. And then psychology, so you have the soul and you have the body. That's life. Three different words. And then the word light here. It says, here in him was life. You have those words. This is the one zoology, or not zoology, excuse me. Zoe meaning eternal life. So when you see this word life, it's the one that means eternal life, not biology or zoology, 
but eternal life. That's the life here, the word life. And you'll find several different words in your Bible, but that's the one here. And the life was the light of men. And we know there are several words meaning light in your Bible, several Greek words translated light. There, and we mentioned this a few, few months back. We know that there's direct, indirect light, you know, reflection. You look in the mirror, you look in the pond, and you see yourself. And then there's light generated by another source. That's another Greek word. But this is the word phos. We get our word phosphorus from it. The sun is, of course, phosphorus. And this is always the word used when Jesus says, I am the light. I am the true light, the genuine light. That's Jesus. You see, without him, we wouldn't have the Son. Without him, we wouldn't have salvation. Without him, we wouldn't have the gospel. We wouldn't have direction. We wouldn't have anything without him. And so here, verse 5, And the light shineth in darkness, and darkness comprehendeth it not. The world doesn't understand light. Oh, they understand the physical presence of light. I'm not talking about that. They don't understand the light of the Lord Jesus Christ. They look at us and think we're nuts. We look at them and we know they're nuts. We have a clear direction. The world doesn't have that direction. Morality, there's no direction. There's just no direction. I mean, what's going on in the world? All kinds of stuff. We've already mentioned enough. But we, we know he's the source of light, and we know he, he's the one with direction, and without him, they don't comprehend then it says there was a man sent from God whose name was John. The same came to bear witness of the light. So who's the light? Who's he bearing witness of? The Lord Jesus, the one who made all things. That's the context. That through him, we might, or men might believe through him. So with the Lord Jesus Christ, we can be saved. He is not that light, but was sent to bear witness of that light. That was the true light. Notice, which lighteth every man that cometh into the world. Did you know every man is born with a conscience to know right from wrong? That's, that's divine opportunity. Romans says, so they're without excuse. They see creation, they have to recognize God. And children do that. They recognize God. Little kids who are raised in homes that don't know anything about God will talk about God at the dinner table. Before my father-in-law was saved, his little boy who was electrocuted kept talking about God. And my father-in-law was a drunk. He kept playing this record, a Christian record, wanted it played over and over. And it was kind of annoying, annoying to them. Little, why? Because God was speaking to that little guy, you see. The, the Bible says, a light hath appeared to all men. What happens to people? Well, they learn to love their sin more than, than search for the light. And they become... A people who have a seared conscience, a defiled conscience, because they quench the light. And the Holy Spirit will try to speak to them and try to speak to them, but they love their sin so much they just, I don't want God. I want to do what I want to do. Maybe at the funeral they'll play the song, I did it my way, but guess what? My way isn't necessarily God's way. And he is the way, the truth, and the life. And that narrow way is the only way to have eternal life. Wide is the path or way that leads to destruction. Narrow it is. There's only one way, and that cross is only so wide. And you have to go through the cross. And so here we find he's a source of light. He's a source of light. He's the true light. And then we, we, we turn to John, John chapter 3. He's not only the source of light, but we know that he's light in a dark, dark world. 
He's a light of the world and certainly a dark world. In John chapter 3, verse 19, it says, And this is the condemnation, that light has come into the world, and men love darkness rather than light. Why? Because their deeds are evil. That's why. For everyone that doeth evil hateth the light. Did you know before you came to Christ, you were an enemy of God? You hated him without even realizing it. Why? Because he convicted you. You know, he convicted you. In Panama, I witnessed, knocked on every door on the base, Gulick and Sherman and, and, uh, and uh, Fort Davis, all, I knocked on all the doors. And sometimes people who I'd witnessed to or, or knew who I was, they'd see me in the little store and they'd go the other way. I understood that. I, I wasn't going to talk to them about the Lord every time I saw them, but I'd witnessed to them and they're under what? Conviction. And they didn't want any of that. So they went the other, they don't want to hear it. Why? Because they love their sin. And, and so here he says in, in, in John chapter three, uh, they love because their deeds were, for everyone doeth evil, hateth the light, neither cometh to the light, lest their deeds should be what? Reproved. But he that doeth truth cometh to the light, his deeds may be manifest that they are wrought in God. Then John 8, 12, I love this verse. He spake unto Jesus, and Jesus spake unto them, saying, I am the light of the world. He that followeth me will not, will not walk in darkness, but have the light of life. The light of life. And that's eternal life. Eternal life. Now, a lot, of, a lot of teachings today teach that, well, if you get saved, everything is going to be good in this life. You're going to be healthy, wealthy, and wise. It's called the prosperity gospel. It's a false gospel, folks. It's a false gospel. Tell my dad that everything in life is easy when he got Lou Gehrig's disease. Tell people who've lost everything when they were honest business people and lost it all. My cousin, who was in, in accountant and was in business with a partner, and the partner stole everything he had. My cousin was closer to the Lord after the experience, but tell him that everything is good and that the prosperity gospel is, is reality. Now, he'll say, no, no, that's not true. We are tried. And as I said last week, you know, no good sailor becomes a good sailor unless he's had some rough seas. And, and we go through trials and difficulty. That's an evidence that we are saved. The difference is God's with us. And it gives us light, direction during those difficult times. And that's the difference that we have in Christ. Jesus is on the light of the world. And John 9, 4 and 5, turn there. He says, I must work the works of him that sent me while it is day, John 9, 4. Because he says, while it is day, because the night cometh when no man can work. And then in verse 5, he says, as long as I am in the world, I am the light of the world. What does that mean, as long as I'm in the world? Well, he's physically gone now. He's gone. He'll come back one day and take control, but right now he's gone. And what does he say in Matthew chapter 5 and verse 14? He says, now, ye are the light of the world. You see, he's a menorah that's a candlestick in my heart. You know, he's the Shekinah glory in my heart. And now I'm the light of the world. And you're the light of the world because he's in you, the hope of glory. So what are we supposed to do with that light? Hide it under a bushel? 
I'm not ashamed of the gospel of Christ. There are times I have been. Years ago, I remember being in school and someone in middle school or high school saying, oh, he's going to church now. I wouldn't own up to it. I was ashamed. I was a coward. And it took me some time to become a soldier of the cross to man up to the fact that I am a child of God. And when I was 19, I finally said, I'm not going to compromise anymore. I'm telling all my friends I've done with that lifestyle. I'm going to live for Jesus. And two of my best friends got saved as a result of it. You met one of them. You know, we can't be ashamed. But we also, on the flip side of that, he that knoweth to do good and doeth not to him it is sin. What are we supposed to do? We're in this world and we have been given a great commission. Quiet. Listen to how quiet it is. What is that great commission we've been given? Preach the gospel. Men, women, boys, and girls are all preachers of the gospel. We're not all pastors. That's not biblical. You have to be a man to be a pastor. But every one of you is supposed to preach the gospel to your lost neighbor, your lost friend, your lost relative. That's why we're here. We have a commission. We have a commission. We're called to reach everyone with the gospel. We are supposed to go into the highways and hedges and compel people to come to this place. I want sinners here. I want a row of prostitutes. You say, Pastor, what are you saying? They need Jesus. We need a, a row of homeless men, a row of addicts. We need lost people to come in here so they can hear the gospel. It's one thing to come and be fed the word of God, and we need that. We're going to continue to do that. But we also need to realize our commission. We need to realize our commission is reaching lost people. Otherwise, our work is done. Did you know when the commission's been given to everyone, Jesus is going to come? Now it's going to take a rapture. It's going to take a tribulation period. It's in the millennium. It's going to take a lot of people here in the gospel as well. People who've had an opportunity in this life don't get a second chance. But the commission has been given, and we have failed miserably. Churches are more interested in building buildings than building lives. They are more interested in big salaries and, and big budgets and big, big this and big that than the little lost soul who's out under a tree, broke, hungry. We don't care about the commission because we don't care about people. There's one of the words translated compassion. It has to do with nausea. Jesus looked out over the city of Jerusalem and he wept. Because they were a city without a shepherd. And it made him sick inside. Are you sick inside because people go to hell? Our frangelism, friends, relatives, associates, and neighbors begins really at home. Our kids and our grandkids, that's our priority. And then it spreads out. So we have a unique opportunity to rear children in a Christian home and tell them about Jesus. And then we have an opportunity to tell our grandchildren. We have an opportunity to tell the neighbor that trusts us and, and likes us and comes over to talk with us. And then those people we work with, that we work with sometimes 20, 30, 40 years, we have a responsibility. And even the associate, the person that you go into the grocery store, and you see that same cashier, and you always say something encouraging to her, and she likes to see you. 
That's the person you give a track to. You can't disturb them. Don't witness while they're working. So you give them a track. If you see them elsewhere, you witness to them. But folks, this world is not about building homes. I am so sick of working in my basement. I worked on it 12 hours yesterday. I'm sick and tired of being sick and tired. That sewage flood I had, I tell you what, that was a headache for me. And almost done. I'm so happy it's over. Then something else will happen. You know, that's how life is, trials. But folks, that's not what my life is about. You see, if I care about my home, my house, I should say, and I don't care about people, I've got my priorities messed up. Your ceramic tile is not as important as the poor neighbor that knocks on your door. We need to care about people. Remember Jonah cared more about the plant than the people? The gourd dried up. He's upset. We're just like that. Oh, oh, don't, don't break my whatever. Oh, that, that has a special memory. Nothing wrong with memories. But folks, it's not more important than the person who's touching it. You see, we've got our priorities. Our pensions are more important than our prayer life. Our football teams are more important than the family of God. And we wonder why the commission's not finished. The problem is a heart problem. The issues of the heart are the big problem. And we have to have compassion because this is a dark world. And he's the light. He says, I offer light to everyone. They don't comprehend it, but it's our job that they do comprehend it. And in 2 Corinthians 4, 3 and 4, he's the light of the glorious gospel. Talk about all these you know, things that represent light, and the gospel's another one. But if our gospel be hid, it is hid to them that are lost, in whom the God of this world, who's that Satan, hath blinded the minds of them which believe not, lest the, glory, the light of the glorious gospel should shine unto them. He said the devil hinders that light from shining to them. And he says, For we preach not ourselves, but Christ Jesus the Lord, and ourselves your servants for Jesus' sake. For God, who commended the light to shine out of darkness, has shined in our hearts to give the light of the knowledge of the glory of God in the face of Jesus Christ. And then I like Romans chapter 1. For I'm not ashamed of the gospel of Christ, for it is the what? Power of God unto salvation. Did you know there are a hundred lightning bolts per second in our world, every second there's a hundred lightning bolts, and each one of those lightning bolts can supply enough electricity for a house for 35 years. That is powerful. Light is a powerful thing. The most important thing in the universe is light. Now, God spoke it into existence. So, how powerful is God? <laughs> And so we have the sun and we're thankful for it. But we also have the true light, the Son of God. And we know that He is the glorious gospel. And the power of light is really something. But the power of the gospel is even more so. Years ago, we had a young couple in our church had gone to their house and told them about Jesus. And they got saved. And, and I have their name in the back of my Bible. And I can't think of their name now. That, that tells you something. I don't know what that tells you. I don't pray for them enough, but uh, and, and I just don't have a good enough memory. <clears throat> but I was thinking about them, and, and uh, 
she had terminal cancer. They had to leave the island of uh, the Isthmus of Panama, and she died. And, uh, and, it, and she said before she left how great it was for the first time in her life during struggles with cancer to know the Lord. She had Jesus. And, and she said, I'm now ready to die. I'm ready to go. I'm excited about going because I have the Lord. And she testified, and our people that just tore them up. How could this lady, a young Christian's thought, be excited about meeting the Lord? Well, when you've battled cancer, and you've got just a few months to live, and they're going to take you off the isthmus and place you in a place to let you die in the military, to die. You know, she understood eternal life for the first time in her life. And she was ready to die. And her name was, by the way, Lisa McGinnis. Lisa's with the Lord. She understands how sweet the Lord is. The light of the glorious gospel. And finally, the light at the end of the tunnel. The light at the end of the tunnel. I love Revelation 21, 23, another one of John's writings. And the city had no need of the sun, neither of the moon to shine in it, for the glory of God did lighten it. And the Lamb, the light thereof. You know who's the light of heaven? The Lamb, the Lord Jesus Christ, and the glory of God. We look forward to that light. No matter how dark, dark, dark the life's road can get, we have light at the end of the tunnel. And we look for a city, and we know there's a light there, the Lord Jesus Christ. I was in Panama, and we are on the jungle road from uh, where we live to Fort Sherman Military Jungle Operations Training Center, and it's a dark, dark road because the canopy grows over the road and the monkeys are running back and forth, you know. And when you go on that road at night, you can't see a thing because you can't see the moon. And so, so you know, it's so dark. And I was in my little Toyota Starlet with my wife and my two boys, and I acted like the car quit running. And I said, now, boys... Jeremy, you walk that way and look for help. And Isaiah, you look, walk that way. And I was looking in my rearview mirror, and their eyes were like, this is the jungle, and it's dark, and we've seen Black Panthers here. I ain't walking down that road, you know? And they were just big eyes. And I, and, and I sat there a few minutes. I said, boys. And my wife said, stop it. So I started the car and said, we're okay. And then, boy, they were relieved, you know? I mean, darkness is tough. When there's no light, it's really tough. And if you're without Jesus today, you have no direction in your life. Admit it, recognize it. You don't comprehend the light because you don't know him. But with him, there's light at the end of the tunnel. There's hope. I look forward to seeing Jesus. The brightness of seeing Jesus. I love Hebrews, and we'll close with these three verses. Hebrews 11, 12, and 13. Hebrews 11 Chapter 11, chapter 12, and chapter 13, there are three verses. Abraham, of course, was told to look for a city. He was going to leave, and we know that he sojourned. He packed his old family, he and Sarah, get everything together, all the livestock and the servants, and the whole family's packing up, and they're moving. And he's looking for Jerusalem. He's looking for the Holy Land. He's traveling to Canaan land. He's a soldier and he's a pilgrim. We're looking for a city as well. Did you know Abraham thought it would be a perfect place? He thought it was going to be the new Jerusalem. He thought it was going to be the place of God. The Bible said, And the city had no need of sun, excuse me, verse 11, chapter 11, verse 10. For he looked for a city which hath foundations, whose builder and maker is God. So what was Abraham thinking? 
Well, I'm journeying to heaven. I'm going to meet God. Chapter 12, but ye are coming to Mount Zion and to the city of the living God, the heavenly Jerusalem, and to an innumerable uh, company of angels. And then chapter 13, for we have no continuing city, but we seek one to come. I seek that city to come. And I'm going to pass through those gates. I'm going to be in the earthly new Jerusalem. And I'm going to be in heaven when I die. My soul is going to be in spirit. It's going to be transported to heaven. My body will be here until Jesus calls it out of the ground. But I look for that city. I can't wait to be part of that kingdom. I'm in a spiritual kingdom now. One day it's going to be literal. And I can't wait. I look for a city. There's light at the end of the tunnel. You say, I'm going through difficult times. I have a bad marriage. I have problems. I have this. I have that. Look for that city. Keep your eyes on Jesus. He'll never disappoint you. Think of the power of the sunlight. And think of the power of the gospel. And I love that little song. Send the light to blessed gospel light. Let it shine from shore to shore. Folks, it's our job to send that light.